Aloha, thank you for pressing play. Welcome to the Eating Curve Balls for Breakfast podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Mahoy, and your biggest fan when it comes to hitting those curveballs that life, sports, or parenting can throw you right out of the park. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Hey, this is Stacey, and I'm here today with Melody Rushing, and I'm super excited that we can chat again. We got to chat the other week um, with Jen Starkey on the program, and um, I just wanted to let people know, I first came across, I believe, on Facebook. I don't even remember the exact details, but I I ended up in the group for the Mental Sweet Spot um, Mm -hmm. on Facebook, and I have to admit, at first I was like, okay, who's this person and what is she talking about? <laughs> so I jumped in there and kind of looked through some of the posts. And what caught my attention was when you shared with everyone some of the challenges you had as a player and how the things that you're talking about now would have really helped you get through those things and maybe perform even better. So then I was like, okay, this is cool. Um, (laughs) You know, and so then we got to kind of have our first interaction. I think you posted something about statistics and how kind of focusing too much on that can have a negative impact sometimes depending on how you're looking at it, right? So uh, we'll dive into all of that. But first, I just wanted to welcome you and give you a chance to kind of let people know who you are basically like maybe where you grew up where you played softball how you got started in the game um if you played any other sports because like for me i didn't actually want to play softball but uh but i love it i loved it once i got there so i'm kind of curious how you got started and um what other things you might have done growing up as well uh yeah so hi thank you for having me i'm really excited um i guess sorry i grew up in southern california so lots of outdoor activities, very little rain and snow, like some other places I live now. Um, so that was a very fortunate place to grow up. I was in all sorts of things as a kid. I danced, terrible at it. Uh, tried singing, uh, tried acting. <laughs> and sports-wise, I started t-ball when I was little and got hooked. The interesting thing is I was a single sport athlete with the exception of I tried out for volleyball played like freshman year I could serve a little bit so like I made the freshman team and they felt bad for me so they let me join the JV team but long story short I was athletic but I never stuck with anything else other than softball because I wasn't as good as that at that as I was at softball so I was like got frustrated (laughs) so that'll play into the future uh so I ended up I played a ton of travel ball, played for great teams, had amazing teammates. A bunch went to big D1 schools. Like looking back now, I'm like, wow, that was with celebrities. <laughs> awesome things. Um, but I was like nowhere close to their level. Uh, I hung with them on the team, of course, and I made an impact, but something was different from my experience. And now looking back, it was completely the head game. It was the mental <laughs> side for sure. Like I would have these like moments of greatness and then I tank again and just kept happening over and over. I ended up playing D3, which was perfect for me anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So back in freshman year, I was like, I'm going to UCLA. You know, that would not, I would flounder at a big school. So that was perfect for me. Uh, ended up being a part of a great program too, which is really nice, really good coaches, um, all former D1 players. So got a lot of good instruction and got better, but still was on this roller coaster ride. Like I was so inconsistent. I 
was like an all conference level player one day and then like how did she not get cut the next (laughs) crazy so finally my junior year my coach benched me it was the middle of the year benched me for an entire week through games I was like I I don't know what else to do to help you so this is all I can think of throughout my whole career my coaches, my dad, they're all telling me you're too hard on yourself. Stop beating yourself up. Get out of your own head. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. But like, I'm not going to lower my expectations for myself. So I guess I'll just stick with it. (laughs) I just got really mad at the simplest little thing. We're looking back now. I'm like, really? (laughs) Like, stop. Line drive, good hit. But because someone caught it, I didn't get on base, I'd pout. Come on. Right. So logically, have one of those bad instances where it really got in my head, I was done for the rest of the game, if not the rest of the day. So finally, after I got benched, I also happened to get a concussion on the way back. So I had two weeks off and picked up Mind Gym, which is a really great intro to sports psych concepts. Um, he was a counselor, uh, Gary Mack was a counselor that worked with a bunch of pro athletes. And so he has these great stories of how to get out of your own way and like the paradoxes of sport. What was some of the other one? Know your numbers. All of these basic sports site concepts, but in a really easily digestible way. And it instantly clicked. So I came back with like three weeks left of regular season, went to postseason, had did pretty darn well. But then senior year was really the like light bulb year. I figured out self-talk. I got my confidence back to like real confidence, not that roller coaster that we talked about last time. And oh, it's just so much of a better experience. I played more free and was less stressed and I was better more often. So it really helped on both sides. And then took it into coaching, got my master's a couple of years later. I've been using it as a coach. And in this career shift, I followed my husband back down here to Florida. And so I wasn't coaching. I was like, you know what? I'm going to look into sports psych. So I had no real clue what I was going to do. <laughs> no <laughs> business training whatsoever. So I was like, ah, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I was kind of like, I would say like 60% committed to making this happen. And then I had our baby Patrick and he was in the NICU for 10 days. He was on this like therapy where he was like cooled and he looked cold and he wasn't talking and it was sad and oh it was rough and looking back people kept asking me about my husband even and my parents and his mom like how are you dealing with it so well and I was like am I well a am I being am I like avoiding it no like not really feeling these emotions but b it was it was sports psych like you know yeah. what I I heard it from all of my students at Kalamazoo who were seniors by the time I taught them everyone's like, I wish I had this sooner. I'm like, you know what? If it helped me go through this situation, mm. everyone needs it. Yeah. So, wow. boom, long story. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's awesome. So, like, first of all, I can't even imagine what it must have been. Like, I've never had a baby in the NICU, so I've never even gone through that. And, like, to have that, the first go-round is, like, insane. So, like, yeah. to have to deal with that, I can't, like, I honestly can't even, that's, like, the worst feeling when your baby's not, doing well and there's so little that you can do you know and you just Mm kind of there's so much out of your control and it's like you just want to fix it but you can't necessarily so I can't even imagine what that must have been like and um I was just gonna ask about let's see 
So when you got to be a senior and things finally kind of clicked and started going well, um, what were your thoughts as far as like, okay, so what were you studying at that time? Were you studying something similar? All I, I was <laughs> studying speech therapy. Oh, okay. So completely unrelated. <laughs> I, I, was I didn't wondering. take any other psychology <laughs> courses. It was all self-taught. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just kind of learning on the go, I definitely could have made a lot more progress um, if, I, I don't know, if I had more resources, but, or read me for more books, but even with the little bit I did, it helped so much. Yeah. So why did you pick up Mind Gym? Like, what, how did that even happen? I had a friend uh, actually suggested to me years back, um, and I was like, ah, oh, she mentioned this one book, I'll find it. So I texted her like, what was that book again? <laughs> then, Picked it up and it was awesome. I flew through it. I had like little highlights everywhere. I had little tabs. <laughs> it was so, so good. <laughs> so it didn't take long. It sounds like um, mm -hmm. good books are like that. Mm -hmm. So besides that book, like, would you recommend that one to other people if they wanted to read something? Absolutely. And any others in particular? Uh, that's an easy read. Heads Up Baseball is fantastic. And now Heads yeah. Up Baseball 2, they came out with a uh, follow-up book. Um, Beyond Grit. I've been actually listening to uh, Sindra Kampoff. She's a sports psychologist for the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. Um, she just wrote a book. Awesome stuff. It's all based on the same topic she talks about in her podcast, High Performance Mindset. Um, so those three, uh, Brian Kane's books are awesome too. Uh, mm. The Daily Dominator is a really good one to use with teams. It's just one little blurb a day. Reminds me of your book. Your book reminds me of that. <laughs> like, I love it. It's just, like, it's easily digestible. Just one at a time. Yeah. Something to focus on that day. And it, right. you don't have to search through it. You just pick a page and you're like, huh. Like, makes you feel yeah. good. Make it focus in. So those yeah. are some off the top of my head. Very cool. Like, okay, so you did the whole speech therapy thing and then decided to go for your master's in mm -hmm. something that obviously was like, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so... So then, um, okay, you did some coaching, you got to Florida, had the baby. And so how long have you been married? Like, how fast did this baby come along in your- Pretty fast. So we've been married three years now. That'll be cool. three years October. And did you always plan on having kids or- mm -hmm. Yeah? Yep. How do you like it so far? I, I mean, besides the Nikki part, because that part's like, okay, that's rough, but like- It's the rest like my brain, like- chunked it and like we're just gonna put this aside <laughs> like, but other than that uh it's been awesome and it's been a whole new experience I mean what can you ever really expect but I never planned to be a stay-at-home mom mm. and let alone a work-from-home mom <laughs> <laughs> I think I was a little too ambitious but hey we make it work um but it's awesome like yeah. I especially starting a new business while starting new momhood <laughs> so many parallels yeah <laughs> and control the controllables right now like he, yes he's upset yes i already fed him yes he has a clean diaper and i don't know what else could be wrong but we're just gonna hold him and distract him <laughs> <laughs> until he feels better at right. some point he'll feel better <laughs> and everyone talks about how like they can't tell you like with words so it's like mm -hmm. so frustrating to figure out and like but there's only so many things it can be and i guess if they're super f upset for an extended period you can't figure it out yes that's kind of frustrating but 
like when they get older and then they can talk and they can say all kinds of things and you're just like, well, how do I answer that? Like, how do we, talk? you know, this is a whole new ball game. But um, I have to admit that, like, I think, you know, the mindset and mentality, the high performing, just way of looking at things um, is applicable for so many areas. So it's a super cool thing to kind of go off and help people with or help athletes with because you know it's going to serve them for life. There's so many different things that they can apply it to. Um, when you see athletes um, that you've worked with or you've talked with, are there like certain common themes or common issues that you see pop up a lot that they're dealing with? What are some uh, of these? The main one I hear about is that being too hard on themselves piece or not being able to deal with failure. Uh, that one comes up a lot. And then it kind of coincides and goes hand in hand, but then the confidence issue of, even if they are a confident person outside of sport and they are confident in their skills, that those like major dips in like getting in yeah. and like when it really starts wearing them down, I think that those two things, are the main things I feel people have the hardest time wading through. I think some people don't realize like even the people you see as confident human beings or athletes, they even will go through those times where they feel completely uncertain or like doubting everything, mm -hmm. right? Like everything. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and some are even capable of moving on from failure and still being very hard on themselves mm -hmm. when it happens. Because I sort of feel like that. Like sometimes it's really easy to just be like, well, whatever, move on. And other times it's like, I can be super hard on myself or mm -hmm. I don't know certain things and so it's interesting to me how in some areas it's like super easy to just be like have that positive outlook and just keep moving and understanding that it's all part of the process right it's no yeah. big deal uh, and other times it's just like oh, I can't do this so <laughs> so um so what do you do like what are some things maybe parents that are listening or coaches that are listening when they're seeing an athlete that's kind of struggling right you can you can see obviously they're just not there they're not feeling confident you can just tell by their demeanor how they're approaching the situations how they're speaking about it even mm -hmm. um, what are maybe one or two things that they can do about it or say to that athlete or maybe it's not something that they need to say maybe it's something else that they can do that's more helpful mm -hmm. uh, I think the first thing I got a girl in my mind uh, this worked really well for the first thing is pull them aside definitely in private even if it's just like off the side of the field mm -hmm. and just ask what's going on in their head just very broad answer what's going on in your head right now and typically they'll start with like oh, I'm just mad about this or like I'm frustrated about this and it could be on field stuff it could be off field completely unrelated to what just happened but the first step is letting them like verbalize it and one of two things happens either they say it out loud and then it just makes them feel better because then they realize like oh, okay no I that's not that big of a deal right now I can move on or two they realize oh this is really bothering me I need to deal with it talk it out whatever they need mm. so then if it's something more tactical like I just can't feel the ground ball today or I, I I don't know why I can't hit today. <laughs> like, then give them something very specific and actionable to work on. Okay, so you're up at live at bats and you're whiffing at everything. Okay, take a timeout, 
go over to the T, work on that outside pitch, and then I'll come over and front toss to you. Because you want to give them like that progression back into the difficult task. But then that can do wonders for especially confidence because it's just a very quick reminder, oh, I do have this. <laughs> Whereas sometimes if you just keep going, keep grinding, your brain's like, maybe I don't. Maybe I can't hit. Maybe I can't play softball anymore. Ah, maybe I should just quit. <laughs> like, you know those thoughts go through your head. Like, I, I still do this stuff today. But uh, if it's something that can't necessarily be adjusted or fixed in, fixed in the moment, maybe it's in a game. You can't be like, time blue. Let me pull her to get some extra reps on that side. You can go back to previous experiences like, hey, Go back to that last game. Remember that game-winning hit you got? What were you doing differently? And they're like, oh, I was, I was just trusting. And I just went up there and played. Okay, well, now what's different between this game? Really nothing. All right. See, you got this. Go get it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I think um, that I recently realized how helpful it is to sometimes just express what's on your mind. Like the simple act of just saying it to someone is like, it kind of takes some of that power away sometimes. So mm -hmm. like, I mean, I just, it took me forever to realize that because I think as an athlete, um, I never wanted people to know that I was annoyed or frustrated or whatever. So then you just mm -hmm. kind of hold it in yeah. and then, like doing that in real life is not so great. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like there was something that was really bugging me one day and I was just like, and I knew in my brain that it wasn't a big deal, but it still felt really icky. Mm -hmm. and so I just told my husband, I was like, you know, the, da, 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 this is bothering me. And he was like, yeah, but the, you know, that's, they're being dumb or whatever. And I was just like, yeah, after that, I just felt much better. Like it was just like, psh, okay, it's gone. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes that verbalization just really helps. Other times, like you said, like giving them smaller things that they can do and take action on. Sometimes just the fact that you're quote unquote doing something about it makes you feel mm -hmm. better, right? Like you're attacking this thing. You're not just letting it happen to you. Right. And then, um, and then, yeah, of course, of, you know, if they have that progression of like, okay, I feel like I can hit, do this now. And then you go to this toss and, you know, I think that's important in any area, even like with fielding and stuff, like mm -hmm. sometimes coaches go with, let's just hit the ball really hard at them and make them figure it out. And then they lose all their confidence and you're like, okay, now what? <laughs> you know, yes. it's like, okay, sometimes you got to break it down. And I feel like no matter how many years I played, it was always really helpful just to go back to those basics and kind of mm -hmm. just move them and kind of just get in the feel of it and mm -hmm. get super comfortable with it. So it's feeling like really second nature and not having to think about it anymore. Right. All that exactly stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that sometimes as coaches, we forget that that's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> We're just like, let's just go into all this good stuff. Right. Cause you're like, right. 16 now. we can skip all that, but yeah. it's actually really helpful to, to go back there sometimes. Mm -hmm. So even if, you know, before something's going wrong to where they're like, I need to fix it. Mm -hmm. um, so what are some of your favorite, like for you as not being a player anymore, right? What are some of the big things that come up for you now or feelings that come up for you now, even as a full grown adult who's been through the sports thing, who's been through some success, has been through a lot of awesome things, mm -hmm. but do you still have things that kind of come up from time to time or like, what's your common Oh issue or maybe oh, yeah. one, one that you're dealing with right now no. <laughs> whatever you want to share. <laughs> oh, not to, oh i am i like how people say that they're a recovering perfectionist i don't think that's true 
<laughs> I don't think it's possible. If they are fantastic, good for you. Um, but I think there are definitely ways to use your perfectionism. So maybe I'm just not willing to let go of it completely because mm-hmm. a lot of high achievers have perfectionistic qualities because mm-hmm. they keep expecting more. They want to fine tune the little things. But man, does it get under my skin when I mess something up? <laughs> oh, or worse, when I like have this idea of what I want to do and like something else just in life happens and throws off my plan or my schedule. I'm like, oh. I just get so grumpy. I find myself, like I said, I had to verbalize it. So poor Patrick, I'm like talking out loud. And this 10 month old is like, what's going on, man? But like the other day I got up later than usual. I got up when he got up, which means I didn't get any work done. And so I was mad and grumpy. And I was like on my phone when he was sitting there and he started like whining and fussing. And I was like, God, why are you? Oh, <laughs> never mind. Okay, focus in, put your phone down and hang out with the kid. So that perfectionism gets me all the time because I always want to do more and do something else new and different and better. But if you don't get a handle on it, it gets out of control. Yeah, I think think even people who aren't necessarily, because I don't see myself as a perfectionist. Like sometimes I'm just like, well, whatever, let's just do it. It's good enough. You know, let's just move forward. And other times I'm the same way. Like I think um, having eight kids has kind of beat some of that out of me because like nothing goes the way that it's supposed to like ever. Right. So I used to be this like list making, like it just go down that checklist and check all these things off my to-do list. And I cross everything off. Even when I had one kid, I felt like such a rock star, you know, like all these things done. Right. And then so I had these planners and, you know, I felt super organized. And then after yes. I had like, a few of them and I would have this list and it was just like such a frustrating thing because nothing ever yeah and so I would even like organize I'm like okay what's the best you know order for me to do these things and what's gonna be most efficient what's gonna be fastest well how you know all these things figure it all out and like I would get to like step three and then all this other stuff would happen and it's just like so it became uh-huh. a really frustrating situation for me to have this to-do list that I couldn't execute and so right. um that's years and years and years ago. So, like, <laughs> so I don't do that anymore because it just wasn't working for my situation. But like, I can totally relate to that thing. And, uh, yep. and I think that, well, I kind of just asked you that question because I know as a new mom and a new, you know, business venture type of thing, like you're going to have stuff, <laughs> stuff is going to come up for you. So much stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so for me, parenting has definitely been like a personal growth journey. Business is the same way. So, I mean, I think life is just like that. Like life is a whole big thing. So it'll always, I, I believe that it will always deliver to you the exact lessons that you need for whatever reason. You don't might not realize it yet, but you know, the game has a way of doing that. I think it mm-hmm. dishes up those situations that helps you grow in exactly the way you need to. And I think life does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Children, by the way, FYI, do the same thing for you as well. So, <laughs> so I hear parents like so frustrated, like, oh, my kid this. And I'm just thinking to myself, so what do you think the lesson is here for you? And rather than trying to like make your child, you know, they're like so insistent upon my kid has to, how do I get them to go? And like, if you just take a deep breath and stop for a second and think about what the lesson is here for you mm-hmm. and get that going love oftentimes the rest of that the rest of it kind of like figures you know you get it figured out but um but that took me a long time to realize so (laughs) 
And so I, well, I, I think I'm sure you because it helped me. I needed, yeah. <laughs> so I needed lots of opportunities to learn this. So just in case you might be able to pick up on it a little sooner than me, right? And have a slightly easier time. But then I'm sure I'm sure your child will deliver other wonderful lessons for you. So so yeah. So have fun with that. <laughs> but at least they're super cute, right? So it's yeah. like at the end of the day you're like oh but you're still cute okay yeah so anyway um what are some of your favorite like tools whether it's I don't know I mean you've already talked about some of your favorite books right but Mm -hmm. what are some of your favorite like tricks or tips that either you use or you find that players really grab onto and kind of you know are able to apply and execute Mm -hmm. Uh, the number one thing that everyone everyone can benefit from is how to take a correct deep breath (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people will be like a deep take deep breath okay (gasps) (laughs) no that wasn't it (laughs) but taking that diaphragm breath like breathing in through the stomach it immediately calms you every one of my players i've ever talked to i ask them like hey what 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 things really helped you this year like trying to take mental notes of what to work on next year. They're like, oh, those deep breaths. I'm like, that was it. All the other stuff I planned and practiced and the deep breaths. <laughs> so that one is huge. For any time you are like over amped or distressed or worried or just over analyzing, anytime your brain or your body is going too fast, that deep breath helps immediately. So I love that. And you can do it in the middle of an event, which I love. Right. Um, uh, yeah, that's awesome. And then uh, another one was kind of with that, like knowing your ideal energy zone. Like, okay, am I, am I a high energy player or am I middle or am I much better when I'm relaxed and low energy? And then using your breaths and typically the girls are like, I use music to get pumped up. Like, fantastic, that's easy. And then finding your zone, I think that helps take a lot of the guesswork away from how am I feeling before this pitch before this at that um I think those are the top two that I feel people click with right away and it it's not a quick fix but it's immediate adjustment Mm -hmm. right yeah I love the deep breathing it's so simple and I know a lot of other high level performers will even talk about like we just don't breathe right like we're so you know like on a regular basis like the way that we our breathing patterns are just messed up and interrupted and then we feel stressed and all these things so that's fascinating to me and also um one thing that really kind of made that hit home for me i was i wasn't coaching yet but i definitely had heard about breathing and taking that deep calming breath and all that and then of course um having my first child um without an epidural and using lots of breathing technique right so it was like i'm like if this breathing thing can help you with this like it's got to be able to help you with you know a hit or whatever right gotta be something to this breathing thing and um, so there's that and then it's interesting that you mentioned the energy thing because you know some people like to get really active and move around a lot right and they feel pumped and um, I distinctly remember before our daughter's, one of our daughter's first boxing match, she literally was just sitting like for quite a long time. And she just sat there, didn't hardly move, didn't say anything. And we're like, is she okay? Is she, you know? But that's, 
like how she is. She likes to just be super chill and relax. Like she doesn't want to get all like, you know, fired up and motivated like some people do. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting to see. And like her coach will even tell her like, did you even warm up when she started wrestling? Because yeah. wrestling forever. When I sp- first saw the wrestling tournament and all the wrestlers are like bouncing up and down before everything, I was like, they all look so nervous to me. Like that just looks like, right? Like tense. Like, why don't you save your energy? This is a hard sport. You know, like, I was thinking like, no way that's what you have to do. I know. I I was like, why is everybody jumping? They're going to use up all their energy, but it's what they do. I don't know. And so my girls are kind of new to it. So they sort of did it. But uh, my daughter would, my daughter said that her coach would always say like, did you even warm up, jump around or something like your hands are cold. And she's, she's just kind of more, you know, she did a little bit because that's what you're supposed to do, I guess. But she was just a much more like quiet, relaxed, you know, kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting that you, you talk about that with athletes to kind of get to know themselves. Cause like once you get really more and more aware of like what works for you or what feels mm-hmm. comfortable for you or what feels like makes you feel like, okay, I got this, like it's in control. Um, mm-hmm. That's really important to know. So, you know, I used to like to eat green M&Ms and I was like, you're so superstitious. I'm like, well, this is part I didn't know this at the time. Then I learned about routines, right? Uh-huh. I'm like, see, it was my routine. It's not superstition. It's part of what makes me feel like, okay, all is right in my world. Like, mm-hmm. it's so calm and cool. Um, so <laughs> I love that it was great. Good, good yeah. color choice. <laughs> yeah, and then brown if there was no green. So if, if that was like a Second fundraiser. Choice. Yeah, if there was a fundraiser going on in school and we had a game, but like people would be selling M&M's. They're like, oh, we need a box of that for our game. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, did you have any of those kinds of like things that you felt like you needed to do as a player? Did you like know about pregame routines and stuff like that when you were playing? Not really. And I don't know before junior year if I had even any awareness of what I was doing. But then senior year, I had a routine. I would, I called it scouting (laughs) the team that I, I would look at their stats like, and a coach is like, that's not scouting. But at least I got some information. I don't know why the information for me as an overanalyzer helped me. I felt prepared the next game, even those stats don't matter. And we will talk about that later. <laughs> and then I would make sure I got, oh, I got at least eight hours of sleep two nights before and six to eight the night before. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, good sleep is important, but I don't know if that was the magical thing, but it worked for me. And then Yep, I would get up and we'd do our regular routine and we'd go eat breakfast in the calf and then go to games. Awesome. So, so no, so, I didn't have know, anything weird superstitious or ritually. The, the sleep thing's interesting also because I think a lot of players don't feel the importance of sleeping. Like we're always telling our players the night before, like be in bed by this time, like by yourself. And you know, like, no phone. Phone. Yeah. <laughs> no phone. like literally ready to go to sleep because you have to be up by this time and you know all of this stuff but mm-hmm. and I don't know how much of it sinks in I don't know how much of them care but you know sleep actually does matter and yeah. um and then wrapping back around to the stats thing so let's mm-hmm. kind of end with that we were talking about how I mean everyone talks about process versus outcome right mm-hmm. and I mean stats can be useful Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me, one of my goals every game was to like at least get one hit. I wanted to try to at least get one hit um, because I knew that I would probably have three at bats, maybe four, but I often walked. So I was probably going to only ha- actually have one, two to three 
you know, at bat stat wise. Mm -hmm. So one hit's good, you know, like if I got an extra one, it's bonus. And so it was just something that was a personal challenge for me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, I mean, if I like a good thing, but I know that wouldn't work for everyone because then they would get all like caught up with the numbers and, right. you know, so why don't you share a little bit about the stat thing and how you've seen it affect people? Uh, so stats are, again, are like need for information and just wanting to know things. The problem with stats is they are all outcome based and mm -hmm. I would say bleh. 90% out of our control. <laughs> you yeah. don't have control over the ball coming towards you. Mm -hmm. You do not have control over what pitches the girl throws. You don't have control over the fielders or where the wind will take the ball or where a bad hop might take the ball. So why are you putting so much of your self-worth and confidence mm -hmm. into these numbers? So we, I think my first year at Jacksonville, um, I developed a quality bat system based on some of the things I had learned from other people. And it was counting things that you could control a little bit more, like hard contact, um, taking a picture deep into the count, um, mm -hmm. or some other ones, a, a walk, of course, uh, sacrifice bunts, um, sacrifice fly, all those things, things that were more in your control. Mm -hmm. And that went okay. <laughs> but then I learned it was still a number that wasn't completely within their control. Mm -hmm. So it was still like, I had to wait for the outcome to see if I got there. Like, was that ball four going to get called or was it going to be a backwards K? Wow. That was a bad thing that we had like bonus points one year. So I was like negative points. <laughs> I actually had a player come up to me cause I had sit the end of the night with my stats and she argued with me over whether it was a quality at bat or not. And this player was, hands down the best player on our team and she was so concerned with that one set I was like what are you what like granted she crushed a ball straight up <laughs> like 15 <laughs> stories she's like but coach it was hit hard I'm like mm, it went this direction like that no it doesn't count so then I had to like clarify okay it must be at this angle I'm like this is getting ridiculous so I kind of adjusted that but then we ended up moving on from that job so I took it into my next job it's like I think I'm gonna go back as a little bit different way like I'm not gonna tell them the stats we're not gonna base playing time on stats but I am gonna tell them about it and tell them like it goes into my decision making mm -hmm. even just me telling them that started going their heads so every contact was that <coughs> is she gonna count that like what mm -hmm. i'm like oh man <laughs> like dang it so finally year three i kept them for myself in my own head just to have more information on those days where i had like a lineup situation but after that i was like no more so when you go up to bat you're thinking about the situation and what you want to do out of it mm -hmm. you're not thinking about mechanics you're not thinking about oh this girl throws this so i need to do this and adjust like you make your plan on deck when you go up to bat you see it and go and that helps a lot more <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's a good point and i don't know i feel like some people just don't grasp that because there's so much more that's going on than the statistical outcome mm -hmm. um and 
you know, they're like, well, why does this person get to play like her stats, this, and it's like, but it's not just about the stats. Like mm -hmm. there are other things going on <laughs> besides mm -hmm. whether or not you actually got a hit because sometimes you can have the worst hit ever and it's still a hit because it lands in the right spot. And other times you can have a phenomenal at bat with a wonderful hit and it's an out because someone dove and caught the ball and mouthed it or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's so many things that are unseen on the paper and, um, I think good coaches take that kind of thing into consideration and, and know like which players are actually going up there with a le legitimate plan that makes sense in the situation yeah. and which players are just clueless. Like they just don't know. I don't know. They're just like focused on the wrong thing. And yes, yeah, sometimes they get decent outcomes. Right. But like if they really knew the game or they like, really yeah. understood, like what do we need from you right now? Mm -hmm. and, or insistent upon executing that, um, like that's a valuable player, you know, like even mm -hmm. if maybe it doesn't necessarily seem like it on paper. And I think that really good coaches can sense that or can see that. And mm -hmm. that does come into consideration, not just the arm or mm -hmm. the batting average or what have you. So absolutely. Um, yeah, I love that. And and there's so many more things that we can dig into because I wanted to ask you another question, but then we talked for another half an hour because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you and I could probably talk all night if it were up to us. It's true. So, <laughs> so um, but it was in regards to like how you looked at other aspects of an at-bat and just mm. kind of being able to acknowledge that the hit isn't the only thing, but like there are other things going on within an at-bat that's worth acknowledging, even if the outcome wasn't what you wanted. Like, mm -hmm. even if you struck out again, you know, did you take it deeper into account? Did you make better pitch selection than you did the last time? Like, did you actually have a clue, right? And did yep. you, you know, all of those things matter. And that's still progress, even though it's still a K. Yeah. Like, you're still noticeably on your way toward a better at bat at some point. And so mm -hmm. knowing about that and being aware of that, I think is good. But yeah, I feel like super over overanalyzing it and letting it be like, oh my gosh, was that good? Like, oh, that just kind of, yeah, still gets in the way. So there are, like you said, there are good ways to use the stats. There are good ways mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, take those perfectionistic qualities that you have or anyone may have mm -hmm. and, and utilize it to the best of your ability. So the other thing that came to mind was I come across athletes and even parents sometimes who will see something like perfectionism. It doesn't necessarily have to be that, um, and they can see all the ways that it's hurting the performance, but they're not recognizing the upside. And they seem to be in a frame of mind that we need to make that stop in order for you to perform. And I just want them, like, my thing was like, well, you may never change that about this person, right? Like you may, they may never be rid of it, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean to me that they can't succeed. Like they can still get to where they want to go even yes. with this, they just kind of have to learn how to channel it better or let it work for them rather than only working against them. Uh -huh. Right. So would you agree with, yeah, you sound like you would agree with that. Totally. Idea. I love that. And I, I think as soon as we stop like trying to push it away and being afraid of it, like mm -hmm. I was thinking of something even more like tough to deal with like anxiety, mm -hmm. like players who actually have clinical anxiety and experience those symptoms Oof, that's hard. Of course you want that to stop. But at the same time, you can take things from it. Okay. I get anxious when it's something I care about. Mm -hmm. So it's something I, I'm deeply passionate about and I'm just 
starting to get these anxious feelings because I'm nervous about what if I don't perform? All right, well, I can use that. And then of course, other techniques to deal with right. the physical side effects of anxiety. But it doesn't have to be like, oh, just, I don't know, you gotta fix it right now. Stop being that way. Like, it's who I am. Yeah. I am a yeah. perfectionist person. I am hard on myself. I am an overanalyzer <laughs> at all things. Yeah. But you know what? There are some good things that come from it and I can kind of keep it from going too far to the bad side by managing yeah. it along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that anxiousness is one big one that, you know, of course, like you said, they physically feel junk, like the bad stuff, right? Like it, it's hard. And so, you know, it's natural for them to like, I wish I wasn't an anxious person, mm-hmm. but I think it's super important to acknowledge and to realize like, and even people that have like really big, reactions to things that may not be the best reaction but like you know kind of helping them deal with that but also understanding that like this happens like you said because they care so deeply about what's going on which is a wonderful thing like that's a really good thing and it's part of why they're also so driven and so capable of achieving humongous things right as long as they're not like applying it in these ways that are like less than helpful and but that takes time Right. I would think like that takes mm-hmm. time to kind of learn how to work with it or utilize it in better ways. And one thing that people get frustrated in is like one day they'll do great, like you're saying, and then like ne- the next day will feel like awful. And then they feel like, oh, see, it's not working and I'm not getting better at this. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's what progress looks like. Yep. <laughs> this is how it is. Right. Like sometimes uh-huh. pictures have a great day and sometimes pictures have a terrible day and that doesn't mean that they're not developing, that they're not getting better, that they're not a good pitcher or anything. Right. So, you know, I think it's really helpful to kind of keep that perspective and mm-hmm. to be really like, yes, you can be hard on yourself, but also um, develop the ability to be really understanding too and to know that like, you know, just because things are not perfect today um, doesn't mean that I'm suddenly the worst player ever or the worst human being ever or <laughs> what have you because mm-hmm. it really feels that way sometimes yep. to people. Yep. So, um, and sometimes like knowing that in your brain is one thing, feeling it is another, but at least knowing it is a start, right? Right, right. At least sometimes, like, I can tell myself like, okay, just give it a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this past week has been like, it's perfect that I'm talking to you now because like this past week for me has been like such like I'm normally really good at staying optimistic and staying like having this positive outlook and this past week it's been just like oh my gosh like I so much wanted to be like what's wrong with you and I'm like wait that's not a good response so like (laughs) like, okay let's just give it a little bit of time maybe a whole day maybe you know (laughs) but um but then when you kind of fit you know like slowly get back to sometimes more slowly than others Mm -hmm. get back to feeling like okay that my your normal self or Mm -hmm. better um it's just, you know, I think it, it's all part of really just getting to know yourself better, which is always beneficial and um, understanding at some level that it's part of this bigger process that mm-hmm. is in some way going to be helpful at some point down the road. <laughs> you know, like, no way. No way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, why do I need to go do this? Like, we can just skip this part. <laughs> Just tell me the lesson. Let me read about it instead of experience it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, let's check. We can yeah. shortcut. Here we go. All right. Just send me to a school or something. No, no. But um, but I am so thankful that you're putting out there like these 
tools and resources that people can use. I know that some athletes are already taking advantage of them and are enjoying the benefits. So can you please share with people where they can connect with you or find you online or where they can tap into some of these tools and resources that you have? Uh, yeah, well, my website is mentalsweetspot.com. Uh, I've got a blog there. You can check out the articles on there. Um, also follow on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It is just me running this right now. So I don't have a ton up yet, but I'm also finding other people's good stuff and reposting that like this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also part of that getting to know yourself, I've created a mental toughness profile and also utilize a program called athlete types. So their program is basically a personality test for athletes. And I took it, my business partner took it, my, who else? I know, we're like, yes, this is exactly right. Mm-hmm. Oh, good friend of mine took it. Uh, so that's pretty darn accurate. They've done it with a ton of people, lots of pro teams, college teams, all the way down. Um, and it's a really good start to figure out, okay, what type of player am I? What type of uh, mental toughness, things I need to work on. And then I added my piece for mental strengths, talking about um, committed, competitive, confident, and kind of um, self-evaluation, figure out which one of those are your best. And so I think we talk a lot in my field and even in coaching about the best of the best are A, B, and C. And so like, I know my person, I looked at those A, B, and C. I'm like, okay, I kind of got A, but like, oh, I suck at B and C. I've got to focus on those. <laughs> and my message is like, okay, forget B and C. Like if they're like struggling, work on it, but focus on your strengths. Yeah, That's, I want to, this is a project of mine, but I want to ask the girls who are on the Olympic team now, like of these seven pick one that you're good at and like mm-hmm. which one is your best i believe that they have maybe one or two that they lean on to make them exceptional players yeah. so you can start that process and it has a guide that you can go through and kind of fill out a worksheet yeah and it, i love i love that concept because i think it's one that we don't even realize that we learn to do totally differently like within the school system it's like, what are you weak at? Let's get extra work there. Let's take extra tutoring there, right? Extra homework, extra, like all the extra goes into our weaknesses. And so mm-hmm. without even thinking about it, that's what we tend to focus on. But um, when you talk to like any world-class performer, like anyone who's like really going for it and getting stuff done, they're like, forget your weaknesses. Like, okay, uh-huh. maybe we can work on them a little, you know, like, like you said, you're not gonna like completely ignore them. You're not gonna like put your head in the sand about them either. But like really know what you're good at and like hit that like every time. And within a team environment, I think it's even more essential because every single person then brings a different thing to the team, which makes a comprehensive unit, right? So why are you going to try to do all the things that so-and-so next to you does well? Because like that's her role. (laughs) Your role is not to be sort of like her. It's to be your best you, like the best thing that you have. And so I really... Um, I'm doing my best, especially with my kids and even with myself, like to get really, you know, identify those things, which can be difficult for people from what I see is like, it's kind of sometimes difficult to really see for yourself where your best strengths are. Um, So I think it does help to have like someone else or an outside framework that helps you identify those things so that you can really go, okay, this makes sense to me now. And it's actually okay for me to like, 
go there and do that rather than constantly worry about, oh, but I can't do this and I can't do that. And it's like, I think for like, for me, I tell people I couldn't even hit an outside pitch until college. And yet somehow I still got there. So, but it's all about like making your weakness completely irrelevant. If you pitch me Mm -hmm. something else, then of course I'm going to hit that because you know, then the outside thing doesn't matter. Like you're not going to live there. And even if you did, I just squeeze up on the plate and make it an inside pitch. So, you know, but knowing what it is so that you can play to your strengths and just make the other things, you're still going to have that weakness, but it's not going to hurt you as much when you know how to kind of work around it or in a team environment, you can, as a coach, you can kind of put together people who will complement each other so that they cover each other's back, if you will, or, you know, that kind of thing is it's nice to have teammates for that. So I love, I love, love, love that because I think a lot of parents don't even realize that they're not doing that with their kids and they're not doing that when they look at them. And, um, and just having that permission to be like, you can actually go hard at what you are great at and appreciate that about yourself rather than beating yourself up overall the other stuff all the time yeah so, yeah so I love that you you point that out and bring that up for people so thank you so much for everything that you're doing I love having conversations with you and we'll probably do it again at some point I'm sure yes and um, yeah uh, thank you so much for your and your Facebook group too you have a group on Facebook with stuff oh yes yes right? so. uh like face mental sweet spot coaches yeah, mastermind yeah. Something like that. I think if you search mental sweet spot, you'll find it. Yeah. Probably. Yep. That's so, how I do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Join us. Um, but yeah, join us. Have fun. <laughs> Connect with Melanie. She's so much fun. High energy. Love it so much. Like I was expecting this uh, mental performance person to be like serious and like, <laughs> or, like, like, and I'm, she's just so fun. So I love it. Um, <laughs> I love the smiles and the, the positive energy and also the understanding that you have of people who are you know struggling with certain Mm. things you can relate to them and so that's always easier to to know that it's not just somebody who theoretically studied about it in the master's course and now they're trying to tell you what to do like Mm. you know she's been there (laughs) still (laughs) experiencing things that you know need to be worked on but um being in as a coach like have my master's and still mess things up like Yeah, so we're always learning. And I think that when um, players and parents and coaches can embrace that about themselves, like things get way easier. So yeah, yeah, so great talking to you. Thank you for taking the time to be here. And uh, we'll chat again soon for sure. Thank you. Have a good night.